This is Luke Nill from the Dirty Nill. Uh, welcome to Born to Rome, uh, episode two. Uh, it's Friday, March the thirteenth, and I'm in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Um, today on Born to Rome, we have the one and only Kyle, the Wild Child, Mild Child, Star Child, Fisher. Mild. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For those who don't know, if you've been living under some sort of rock, Kyle. Plays drums in the Dirty Nil. He also um, takes photographs, and he—I uh, don't know what are, what the fuck else do you do, Kyle? I just, <laughs> dude. Some days I don't even know. Right now, fucking nothing. Anywho, um, Kyle, I met Kyle when we were five years old. Yeah, in, Mortal uh, Enemies at the time. Mortal Enemies. Well, not at that time, but later. Our, you know, our our, I would say that our animosity it blossomed beautifully for each other that's what keeps us together today <laughs> yeah uh, a lot of hate a lot of hate it, it flourished beautifully uh throughout our pre-teen years around the time we were probably like i guess 14 years old uh we all kind of got into classic rock as to kind of all the other people in our in our grade everybody picked up the guitar some bass or some drums or started to try and sing with their high pitched prepubescent voices and uh we started forming cover bands and playing a lot of nirvana and green day and acdc and uh the more ambitious uh, of us uh, people tried to play some led zeppelin songs still believe in a thing called love by the darkness yeah and recordings of those things do exist folks and we're planning on releasing them yeah um, so anyways lose it. <laughs> yes uh, yeah, so actually, before we actually had a band, that's a good point, uh, I uh, did my one and only uh, venture as a concert promoter, and uh, <laughs> I mean, it worked out. We threw a show called Looney Palooza, and uh, it was a dollar to get in, and I thought that would entice more people to go. Uh, it would cost one loony. If, if anybody is listening to this outside of Canada, a loony is one dollar. Uh, in Canadian currency, and uh, even in 2004, that was uh, that was a that was a, a pittance of money. I should have probably charged more money, but uh, it was one loony to go, and we had a bunch of cover bands. And uh, Kyle didn't actually play that day, but he was in the front row. No, I was a, I was more of a spectator in those days. With always with the Led Zeppelin shirt. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so then when we were 15 years old, we were we were still dinking around with instruments and stuff, and pretty much everybody started to drop off rock and roll. It, it very quickly uh, in our age group of people, it was very big. About 2004, when the School of Rock came out, and there was a bit of a classic rock renaissance. By about 2005, everybody was like, "I'm done with this shit. I'm fucking into the OC." Yeah. That show, people got really got into that. Good times. What did, what else were people doing other than rock and roll? Fraternizing with the opposite sex. But we were like, no, no. No, no. Uh, we're... Uh, Just going to hang out in the basement and make <laughs> stupid noise. One time, Luke and I, uh, for New Year's, pretty much just practiced at my house until midnight. And then we tried to go to a party that we uh, did not get entry to. <laughs> Yeah, we got kicked out of a lot of parties, uh, not for uh, rowdy behavior, but 
because we were uh, undesirable peoples to have at your party. <laughs> it was it was not a good look. If you <laughs> you're, you're making it harsher than it, you're making it harsher than it sounds. <laughs> but anyways, I guess we started the band. We started the Dirty Nil. In the summer of 2006, mm-hmm. I was a camp counselor. Where were you working, Kyle? Uh, I guess I was... Where was I working at the time? Uh, I think at the barn before it became Metro. I worked in the meat department. Real fun time. Yeah. I had that job for a while. Yeah. Going into university, but that's what I did. So he was doing that. I got my first Big Muff distortion pedal and a 100-watt Marshall amplifier, and we were off to the races. And we played every day after work. And I remember us having a conversation. I was walking around the suburbs and saying, I think we should start a band. We were very excited about it. We were very excited about the idea of starting a band where we made our own music and didn't just play covers um, Mm -hmm. because no one else was really doing that. Everybody had kind of just stopped. And uh, we wanted to go to the next level. Well, dude, Lil John showed up then, and that was it. Everyone was crushing Usher. Usher was big. Usher was big. Um, Mad respect to Usher. Yeah, a lot of people uh, checked out a rock and roll, and uh, so we doubled down on rock and roll, yep. and uh, we started the band, and uh, that basically brings you to today. Uh, that was 14 years ago. Um, let, let's get into the questions, the pre-prepared questions. Okay, the um, <laughs> Kyle, what are you up to lately? <laughs> lately? Not much. I mean, we are here at, uh, we've been in pre-production for the last few days. Are we talking about this on here? Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, uh, we're getting you can ready. Be, you can be selectively vague. But yeah, can... just loosely, we are getting ready to record, and that's what we've been up to. Uh, we've been off the road, which is kind of uh, good timing for us. Uh, sorry to all our friends that are on the road and having to cancel tours or in precarious situations due to the ongoing uh, coronavirus problem at the moment. Uh, pandemic, I guess, as the WHO has called it. I like their earlier stuff better. <laughs> Just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, not just been at home. I'm not doing, not doing too much. I've been, I haven't felt like taking pictures lately, which is not fun. But, but uh, no, I've just been focused on doing what we're doing right now, which is yes. recording the next best record we can make. Uh, the next best record to ever be a record. Next best makes it sound like it's not the best. So I mean, like the next record that we're making, which will be the best. As I said on the first episode. Um, I'm not saying that we're going to change the world, but we are going to shift Western culture. That's a conservative estimate. Even though we're kind of maintaining some degree of secrecy about our uh, our recording projects, but how are you feeling with the current recording stage that we're at and how things are kind of shaping up? What's your vibe? What's your feelings? Feeling good, feeling strong. We're playing tight. Like I'm just amazed that we managed to throw together 89 songs in two hours. Most that we ever had. Um, it's nice to have John here in town. Shout out JG. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. I just I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going really well. We're in really good shape. Sound like a sports guy. We just got to get out there. Put the put keep our stick on the ice. Get some hot tracks. Get some good takes down. I couldn't have said it better myself. Get some didgeridoo on the track through delay. Fair enough. Okay, so, uh, Kyle, what made you interested in uh, spanking the tubs, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Getting that, hitting them hitting them tubs. Uh, I was like, well, in grade five, like the only guy that we knew who pl- had played an instrument, I think, at that time was DJ McConnell. Yes. Because uh, his dad had played in a, in a band, and they had all the instruments in DJ. Shout out to Clear Light. Clear Light. Which is also uh, my distant cousin was a singer of that band. 
Jerry. Uh, anyways, yeah, the, the, at the end of the fifth grade, we had like a big grade five, like kind of focused talent end of the year assembly or something. And the DJ played the drums and I was like, I was uh, drawn in by it. And I just, from that moment, was like, I really want to do this. It took me a while to like break out of my shell and talk to my parents about wanting to do it. I think I just needed a reason to play them, which happened in seventh grade when we started doing band and I started on saxophone, which I was uh, barely passable at playing. Uh, I didn't have a good embouchure. Now, just to interject, I just want to say I was at that same uh, assembly. I saw DJ uh, playing them drums and uh, I remember <clears throat> asking my parents also, I think every young guy in our grade uh, was like, I want to be a drummer. And I asked my parents too. I was like, hey, can I play the drums? And they're like, Go fuck yourself. Uh, anyway, sorry, continue with your... That's uh, good. Well, I see, and I had the opposite of that because my mom, like my uncle played guitar and my mom didn't really like that. So she would rather I play drums fair. than guitar. Which is fair. She was like, I never want to hear that ever again. And I said, okay, I'll play drums. And then, yeah, seventh grade, we had band. And like I said, I played saxophone, not the greatest. And then one day it was like, does anyone else want to like play percussion? And I my hand shot up immediately and I got to play percussion, and uh, ever since then that was uh, put me in that direction. Around thirteen, I got my first own drum set from uh, the U Drum when they had a shop in Waterdown. And was I that took, the Tama one? Uh, no, it was like it was called Procussion. It was really Pro shitty. It was like four hundred dollars or something. Shout out to Procussion. Uh, it was red. I remember Making that, those. and I had those really terrible cymbals that sound like paper. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had that for a while, and then uh, my first kit was the Tama one. I remember the day I you bought. got. I was there the day you got that it was kit, a, like pearl white. Yeah, it was all right. It was kind of heavy. I kept losing the. They, I had. This is kind of why I hate. Well, I hate it for other reasons, but they ha it has like the mount that attaches to the kick drum, and I would lose that a couple times. And my dad would get real pissed at me, and then I realized that those things suck, and now I just put it on a snare stand. And you also had an Iron Cobra double kick. Tell us more about the double kick. Oh, I tried that for a bit because my dad would always be like, this could be cool. And he likes, he, my dad's a really uh, handy guy. He's a mechanic and also builds a lot of things. And we were at Long McQuaid and they had this like all these drum parts out. And my dad's like also a deal guy. So he found all the pieces that you could make your own double kick pedal with. And he was like... Yeah, this is like 50 bucks, and if I want to buy a new one, it's like two, $300. You might as well just do this. And then I tried that for a while, but I also learned I don't like to play double kick. And uh, that was the end of that. Hmm. But it was a good deal for the time that I had it. Where? I don't even know where that is. The double kick? I don't know where it ended up. Could be in the nil graveyard. My brother probably took it. Yeah, probably. If I forget, no offense to my brother or anything, he's the best, but if I forget about things for a period of time, they tend to wind up uh, in his hands in a picture somewhere. Shout out to Ryan Fisher, who was uh, kind of our earliest uh, tech, would you say? Like, whenever we would leave the room, he would pick up the instruments and uh, make sure everything's uh, functioning properly. He would give them a good go. He'd give them a good go, really test their durability. Yeah. Uh, but credit to my brother. He taught himself how to play everything. Your brother's an awesome musician. So Shout know. out to Ryan Fisher. He's, yeah. uh, he's wicked. He uh, he really worked at it. Yeah, he loves it. He's great at it. He's killing it. Okay, so moving on. Uh, Kyle, when we're on tour, which is like every day, 
pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your tour, your daily tour ritual? Walk, walk me through a day in the life of the star child. Depends on the day. Like if I know I'm going to do a lot of driving, I try to sleep a little more. But I always try to capitalize on breakfast when possible. So you, you're you're a you're a pro continental breakfast guy. Not the not the con- see now that's the thing. There's a difference between the continental breakfast and hot breakfast. So continental breakfast is usually like here's some shitty ass muffins and some questionable apples. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but the hot breakfast is usually where it's at. But I started to cut out certain things because I'm like this could be gross unless I really need it and need to capitalize on it but i don't know i just uh need to inject some sort of a uh a physical exercise element into it but i kind of like to lounge around in the mornings and make sure that i shower and have coffee and try to read i've really gotten into doing crosswords as it gets my mind going in the morning and then uh, settle in for a nice long drive whenever there's time and there's interesting places to walk around i try and do that i find that that's you know i started taking photos on the road as a way to uh, get out of my head and get out of just sitting in a green room all day looking at my phone. Uh, I make that a priority in my day. And I know uh, sometimes when I start to get a little crazy on tour, I know that it's because I haven't had a chance to do that. And sometimes I'll even wake up earlier in the morning so that I can get that in. I remember I did that. We were driving super long through Texas and I just knew I had to get up. And I got up at like 7 a.m. and just walked around a remarkably cold Texas, which I thought was going to be warm, but it was like negative eight. And I thought that was weird. And we were in Van Horn, Texas, which is, it's also nice because you get to see weird places like that that are um, super surreal and strange, especially compared to, you know, where we live. Where do you think is the smelliest place you've ever toured to? What was that mountain in California? Like the, the. Oh, we went to Slab City. We went to Salvation Mountain. I don't really remember a smell there, but I know that it's like, it is a weird part of California. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, New York's pretty smelly. I don't. Not to rag on New York, but uh, I'm sure New Yorkers wouldn't argue that it smells there. They got a, they got their own funk down there on the Lower East Side. That's uh, for darn sure. I guess any of those industrial cities. Now that brings me to the next question, Kyle. How could you sum up your love of driving? What would you say about why the wheel excites you? I think it's probably because my dad is a mechanic and always been a car person. So I was always around cars. I used to race go-karts when I was growing up. I had a dirt bike. I always wanted to drive. Like I, when I, I really wanted to be 16 so I could get a license. And then I just, I don't know, driving's a lot of fun. It can, uh, especially when you get to drive through places, like driving through the U.S. is my favorite because of the wide open spaces. And you can kind of, sometimes it's very draining and it takes a while. But just, I always find that it is very stimulating for like visually. Because I just try to take in everything that I'm seeing because I know I might not see it again for a while. I mean, not if it's like you're driving through Nebraska and or Iowa and it's just like corn and corn and corn and corn. Shout out to the flyover states. We still love you. But I don't know. It's just something about it is very pleasing for me. It's very calming. Calming. Yeah. Yeah. With an L. <laughs> calming. <laughs> um, moving on. What is your favorite product from the reese's corporation uh, i don't know big cups i guess he's a big cup guy i like oh actually no it's actually the half pound ones. that's your that one is fucking but i'll tell you why insane. it's not something you can enjoy all the time it just it has the thickness of the chocolate in combo it's like 
the ratio of chocolate thickness to the peanut butter inside is the most satisfying. You think they nailed it with the with the with the half pound? Yeah, cup. yeah. It's just like more chocolate. It's harder. I like crunchy things or something that doesn't have as much give. So like soft chocolate in my mind sucks. But if you got a nice, because then you work through the layer to get to the soft peanut buttery inside, and it's just really nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's my shit. <laughs> All right. Well, I like it. I love it. What is your favorite greasy restaurant in the world? Mm. Oh, it's, yeah. Well, I I don't know. Mickey's Diner is always a good time Mickey's in St. Paul. Mickey's Diner. But I wish I knew what it was. There was that time. Remember we went with Adam, like, Carter, when he came to that show in Dallas randomly, and we stayed at that hotel with him, and then we went to a diner that morning, and it was like a, some kind of greasy spoon in Dallas. I don't remember what it was called. I can kind of figure out where it is if we were there again. But I remember that was a really good greasy spoon to eat at. And that would that's also one of my tops, even though I don't remember what it's called or where exactly it is. Word. Maybe we can have the good folks from Texas uh, nail that down for us and we'll uh, we'll find that yeah, in the comments. It has a lazy section. Susan of, of cheesecakes and pies. That ought to, that ought to narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, Kyle, is it true that you love photography? Because you like stealing people's souls through photography. Yeah, mostly. Um, yeah. Mostly just that. But I do love it. Mm -hmm. I do love it. It is mm -hmm. near and dear to my heart. I've collected many souls. That has been said about you. What's going through your mind when you're playing a set? It depends on... I don't know. Thinking about that Reese crunch? Sometimes. No. Yeah. <laughs> Always. The crunch that satisfies. I uh, depends. Sometimes it's like a really flow state kind of feeling where I'm just I'm very locked into what's going on and everything feels light and I'm not thinking about too much sometimes I'm thinking about oh that beer is empty and I wish I had another one but we only got to play two more songs on a day that I feel a lot more exhausted or we've added something to the set and I look and I go fuck I gotta play that song and then we play it and it's fine What's your least favorite song to play that we play? I don't know. I don't have a least favorite. I just kind of work it on like what song, if I'm like super tired, is going to be hard to play. Sometimes I get worried about playing Smoking is Magic because it's hard. Uh, Nicotine used to be the one that would be like, this is, takes a lot for me to play. Mm. But not really anymore. I don't really have that. I don't think I don't have like a least favorite song to play. I like playing them all. They're all hits, baby. What's your favorite song if you had to choose your favorite song uh to play in the world could be cover could be whatever what do you like what, what's your what's what turns what turns kyle on when he's up there on the throne when we're playing live and i know that we're playing at least it's a feeling that i have for myself we're playing at what i think is like at a higher level like when, when, when we've really gotten to the point where everything is super locked in it feels extra good and every song feels like butter mm. you know what i mean like smooth like butter, butter or mayonnaise which butter okay I do Just like mayonnaise, but butter we'll in get this to that. scenario, yeah. that's a lot of fun. And then I usually have like a few records that I like to play through when I feel like I'm in a rut or I'm just like need to play something that's kind of like the comfort food of practicing for me, Yeah, which is like I can play Pinkerton front to back pretty easily. Peach, that culture abuse record I play a lot sometimes. Those are usually my, my go-tos though. I like it. I like it. Well, and in personal practice mode. You know, you've been labeled a lot of things. Um, 
the mayor of Mayo Town seems to be the one that is stuck that. that. <laughs> you just made that up. Uh, I read it somewhere. <laughs> How do you respond to such a high charge and accolade? I, I guess I take it honorably. I do like mayonnaise a lot. Favorite mayonnaise in the world um, out, of, out of the three brands that exist. <laughs> dude, there's way more brands in Europe. But it's true. I guess I like the Burgermeister one because I was... Uh, I, ate it off a table when I was hammered. That actually confirms my next inquiry. So you are, so walk us through that one. Walk us through that <laughs> one because it is the, the stuff of legend. What do you mean? You guys fucking told me the next day. I okay. was so drunk. Shall I walk you through it? No, or? like this is what I gathered. Like I remember we played at Musical Frieden that night. Check. And then down the street is Burgermeister, which I love to hit up every now and again. And I... Germany's bad for us because we really tend to, the beers just flow a lot quicker there. And we were, I was personally quite fucked. (laughs) (laughs) We got our food and apparently Lizzie told me the next day that I was eating my burger. Shout out to Lizzie, our tour manager. And dancing because I was super happy about getting food at night. And then we went across the street to a bar, <laughs> and then you got fries, but I just threw mayonnaise on it for no reason, and then there was mayonnaise on the table, and then I just was eating it, and I couldn't look at anybody, and I was just sitting like with my back to the bar, staring off into the distance, and I couldn't even stand up. Yeah, that was that night, as far as I can remember, and me going, I have to go. And home he went. Uh, that was uh, that was a good retelling of that one. That uh, that is how that went down. So, what's your wildest tour story that does not involve mayonnaise? That is, I guess, suitable for. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll allow you to kind of provide your own censorship, but uh, do 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 your thing. It's whatever doesn't upset the girlfriends, you know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about the Claremont Lounge one, but maybe obscure certain details of it? Obscure certain details. I can give a good. I can give a good loose one of that. That was a pretty yeah. funny night. We were staying. You're walking at, a tightrope, Kyle. We were staying with a friend of ours, a friend of a friend's place, and Claire, who was tour manager for our friend Claire from uh, she's from Chicago. She lives in LA. What's up, Claire? Uh, and it was her last night. She was flying home the next day, but she's like, "Oh, the Claremont Lounge is like this legendary strip club in Atlanta." So we went to it not knowing what to expect. We had heard like minor tidbits. We were like, yeah, 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 whatever. So we go there and we walk into the most insane scenario I've ever been in in a strip club. First thing you see when you walk in is like a bar that is like a 360 bar where you can order from all sides of the bar. And a very elderly woman is behind the bar with like a like like one of those like tube top things. And she's pulling it down flashing people and they're throwing one dollar bills at her and she's catching them with it and i was there were that instantly i was like okay this place is fucked who was playing on the stage and what were they playing uh yeah there was so then there was also this gross crust punk looking cover band dudes the singer had a shitty mohawk thing and wasn't wearing a shirt and was wearing cargo shorts and they were playing a weird cover of dead flowers and uh we were pretty drunk uh, at the time so it was like doubly surreal neon lights everywhere there's these like cowboy looking dudes because you can get a lap dance and shit like right 
There's no pro- like you. I think you can pay for a private room, but as far as I knew, there was no privacy going on. It was just you sit at a table. A stripper walks over to you. You give them money, and it's going down. It was kind of like the end of the. It's world. going down right there. It was, it was the end of the world. It was really cinematic in a way for me, and I wish that I could have taken photos in there because it had a weird, like, dark beauty that I love so much, and uh, that place blew my mind. It was a really special place, and uh, we hung out there for a little while, and then we took off. And that's the way that that night ended. Okay, so uh, <laughs> the first tour that we ever did to the East Coast when we were young bucks of the age of, I had not yet turned 19, I was 18 and you were 19. We did a tour that uh, us and our friend's band, We Were Heads, shout out to We Were Heads. Oh, yeah, first tour, 2009. 2009. And uh, we did a two-week tour that we booked ourselves. And in those two weeks, we played... Four shows. Uh, yeah. Four shows. And uh, we went across the country in a panel van, which is essentially an industrial transport van. So you've got two seats up front. Behind that, you've got a metal cage and then just nothing, a giant open space. We had six guys in this this van mm-hmm. and just kind of a den. So we had two guys sitting up front with a cage behind them and just a, a den of sleeping bags and amps uh, and yoga mats with one window that had a Bob Marley flag over it. Kyle, what are your memories of that tour? Uh, so many. Ones that stick in my head were the hostel we stayed in in Charlottetown, PEI, which was pretty fun. And uh, I think it was the first time we got to shower the whole time. I think it was the only time we showered the whole time. How many nights do you think we slept in Walmart parking lots? Most, in the van? most of them. One time we slept in an underground parking garage, which was fucking that was not good. really dumb in hindsight. But at the time, we thought it was <laughs> fine because <laughs> we all went to strip clubs for the first time. Uh, I almost got beat up at one. And then uh, Montreal can be scary. So we did that, and then I remember we decided, we were, had crazy ideas, like, we were like, well, it's like a 14-hour drive to Halifax, so let's just leave at night and drive as long as we can through the night, and uh, really gave up on that quick. Well, no, actually, we did it, and then you took over in the morning. We were driving, we were driving all the way to PEI. So we did that, we stayed in many Walmart parking lots. What did we eat for breakfast every single day? McDonald's, because obviously. And what did we get from McDonald's? Did we get the nice burgers, or did we get... No, I the- got junior chickens all the time. I remember one day I, was, I asked you to get me four. Four junior chickens for breakfast, this guy. Four junior chickens, and... I was 19. I wasn't a genius. I wasn't a very health-conscious you were, person. You were living life, dude. You were living life. Uh, what else? Uh, we definitely overstayed our welcome in a parking lot outside of Halifax because we had nothing to do, and we stayed there for four days, and then there was a police car uh, near ours kind of watching us for a while, and that's when I was like, okay, we got to leave here. And we took off. We went to Peggy's Cove, which was cool. Met some interesting people in Halifax. You couldn't come because you were only 18, but we went... Like me and a couple of other guys from We Were Heads went to the Reflections Cabaret in Halifax and partook in their open mic. Battle of the Bands. Yeah, they had like an open mic Battle of the Bands thing, but basically you just went and played whatever songs and we just bullshitted our way through a few songs. Then you could go and spin a wheel. Everybody got a chance to spin the wheel and you could win a cash prize of $200. If no one won, the prize rolled over and rolled over and rolled over until the person won like all the money. That night was only $2. The person right before us rolled and won the 200 bucks which is 
a bummer, but that's the way it goes. And the the shows were fine. They were not fine. There was <laughs> there, there was no one there, folks. We played maybe one or two good ones. The the Ottawa one was all the right. The Ottawa one was fine. The Montreal one was shit. The one in the Halifax uh, one was okay. And the Charlottetown one was fine. Yeah, it was all right. That was also the tour where uh, people tried throwing eggs at me, but they missed. Yeah, we were in Moncton. Moncton sucked. <laughs> yeah, it was not a fun. No offense one. to people in Moncton, but we love you, Moncton. But uh, you had some bad representatives out on that day in two thousand nine. <laughs> What do you do to unwind from a day? Like on the road or at home? At home. Some, I take a nap sometimes. A take shower a is always a good move. I try to watch something on television or read. Do you have any advice for some young bands out there? I'm sure you get asked all the f- frequently, you know, kids asking like, hey, you guys are super fucking cool. How do I be like you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, people ask a lot, but... I mean, the best advice that you can give anyone, the top one to say is that you have to write good songs, which is such an arbitrary thing to say, but that's something that you have to figure out on your own. But the number one thing would be to play outside of your city, tour when you can, be smart with your money, make good connections with the people that you're playing with, and find people that you can depend on, and only work with people who you think would kill for you in a very metaphorical way. But if anyone is coming in to be like, hey, do you need a manager? Do you need that? If you don't think that that person might help you bury a body, then you probably don't want to work with Getting them. Getting dark, Mr. Fisher. It's a little hyperbolic, but well, the, the point is clear. Word. Uh, you want uh, you want loyalty. You want uh, some sort of uh, a deep connection and uh, conviction for what you're together working towards. Yeah, because you all have to believe we got a few more questions. Let's see. It's just skimming through here. You've covered a lot of these topics on your own. Well done, Mr. Fisher. I saw you staring at my notes before we began this examination. So. Uh, I didn't I didn't see anything. Oh, that's, that's a fucking lie. Um, favorite stops on tour? <laughs> favorite stops? I like stopping in weird places in the middle of nowhere. Those are my favorites. Just those like towns, those forgotten places. Because I know I will never see them again. Like Boston? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Boston. No, I don't know. The the places that have names, I don't know. It's just those weird pockets that people forget are there, but are there. And uh, they're kind of interesting to see. What are you currently listening to? Currently listening to. I started watching that Hip Hop Evolution show. So I was just kind of going back through some old hip hop lately Mm -hmm. because I find that stuff to be really fun and beats are sick. And I play drums, so it all adds up. Oh, that new Viagra Boys EP. That one's sick. Yeah, that's Common good. Sense. Common Sense is a great song. Solid EP. Viagra Boys Forever. Our friends Lee Corey Oswald's record. Darkness Together is a good one. Woo! Patience by Mannequin Pussy. Those are, have all been like high, yeah, high listens for me. Next question. You know how I love going to guitar stores. Ross loves going to go to guitar stores. We love seeing guitars. Uh, what do you do when we go to guitar stores? How do you feel about our lust for browsing? I get the fuck out of there. No. I'm <laughs> just kidding. If I can, if I know that I can like go wander around and take photos instead, I'll go do that. But I also like to go to bookstores, especially in the States, because books are usually cheaper and use bookstores there. And you can find some interesting things or an antique store if I can do it. Because I usually look for weird cameras or expired film. But I uh, usually just try to walk. Like if we go to a store and it's close enough time that I can kill time on the way to the venue, then I'll just walk to the venue and meet you guys there. So what is your favorite guitar store? Uh, I guess Chicago Music Exchange. What are your thoughts on In-N-Out Burger? Is it hype or is the hype real? I do like it a lot, but I think I've lost the luster for it. 
in a way because I still just prefer the fries aren't very good. Ooh, mad shade. And uh, if you disagree, oh, you disagree. I don't know. The burgers are fine, but I feel like there are better places to go at the end of the day. That is a hot, piping hot take from Mr. Fisher. Though, I, I, top 10 branding, great design, aesthetically pleasing, good to look at. Points for pretty. Final question. Coronavirus tips for the fine folks out there who are in, in self-quarantine or... Uh... Kyle, as the authority on this subject... Should we be freaking out? Is it all good? <laughs> what the people are looking to you, we need some leadership. What are uh, we gonna do? Don't fucking touch me, first of all. No, uh, I don't just, just wash your hands, be clean. If you're feeling sick, go try and get checked out. We do live in Canada after all, where you can go to call somebody and they will check you out and you won't have to pay for it. And hopefully, they can attend to you quickly. Uh, we're we're, Don't an, flood we're an international podcast, Kyle. So, you know, be respectful. I'm just speaking to speaking to what I know. We're worldwide now. But yeah, just be clean, be healthy. Don't take any risks. You don't need to be. I know that there is a lot of panic. So, listen for information, but don't let it uh, force you into any ra- irrational decisions or behavior, um, because that just leads to more problems. And uh, if anyone you know is hurting in any way or or suffering some sort of problems uh, that have nothing to do with the virus, but maybe uh, side effects financially, let's say, then uh, help them out if you can, because I think support that, bands. I think that's going to be or or anyway, I think that's going to be the that's going to be the bigger fallout at the end of all of this is where the world stands with that. Do you think that you can get the virus from drinking Coronas? Like, is that a thing? No. Well, I mean, unless you were sharing it with somebody who had coronavirus. Like, if Rudy Gobert handed me a corona and I drank it, then I would get it. And I would say, don't fight OG next time, please. Thank you. That one went right over my head, but... It's just basketball, bro. Basketball. Basketball. Sports. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Do you have anything to add about the current current, uh, situation facing the world? Uh, uh, Anything you'd recommend listening to while uh while we're kind of waiting for this whole thing to blow over if you are into hip-hop music watch that hip-hop thing you can listen to born to rome this podcast right here uh step one (laughs) step one (laughs) (laughs) our Uh, producer just pulled out a firearm he pointed it right at my head and said you should listen here well i don't know read play board games with your family Bring it back master, to old times. Like master volume be. is the answer. Master volume is the answer. But, uh, you know, I let you go for a while. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we were looking for. Yeah. Uh, that's going to have to be a no for me, Doug. And then our our next to be named. Yeah. I think it's it's shaping up to be a quadruple album. So, yeah, we're really just trying to go for like our version of Magnetic Field's 69 Love Songs or whatever. What is it? John, do you know the name of that record? There we go. 69 love songs. I don't know. you. Why 69? It's a good question. You guys are so immature. Uh, I think that's it for me today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Kyle, the wild child, star child, mild child, Fisher. And uh, on the next episode, we're going to be sitting down with veteran producer, Mr. John Goodmanson. We're going to be talking about rock and roll. And uh, the proper way to insert a lime into a Corona. We'll see you then. Uh, Hail, hail, rock and roll. Be good to each other. Don't panic. 
Uh, much love. God bless. Bye.